0: For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. How are we doing? Oh, that was terrible. I know it's a holiday weekend, but come on. How are we doing this morning? All right, that's a little bit better. Good to see you guys. Those of you that are watching online, I know we got some, several of our families that are away for the weekend. I know some of you are at home sick watching online. In fact, the person that usually is in charge of our online service is probably watching online because he hasn't, wasn't feeling good this morning. So Mark, if you're watching, hello. Uh, but it is good to have you guys. This is an awesome uh, Sunday. Obviously, I love every Sunday. Uh, Well, maybe not. Honestly, there's probably a few Sundays that I don't, but most Sundays I love. But today's extra special because today we get to, after the service, kind of go out here in the yard and it's not a hundred degrees today, so that even makes it better. And we get to watch five people go public with their faith in Jesus Christ this morning. And so we are super excited about that. And uh, that's one of the things that's so great about a community Uh, so great about a community, it's awesome to be able to rejoice and celebrate with those who are rejoicing and celebrating, Uh, and today we have that opportunity. Uh, Along with rejoicing, though, and you you know this, part of the power of community is not only that we rejoice with those who rejoice, but we also, man, we, we weep and we hurt when people in the community hurt. This week, all of our hearts were broken when we watched and we are watching it kind of continue to play out and stories come from it. But what happened in Texas in that school and and the children that were their lives were taken and and the teachers and the different people and our hearts, I know your heart has just like mine, our hearts have been breaking unimaginable tragedy that's taking place there. And, and one of my prayers over this week, as we have been praying for those people like you probably have, is that, that God would surround those people that are hurting with a community of Jesus followers who will love them, who will hold them, who will encourage them in the midst of just craziness. And that's what a community is all about. It's about rejoicing with people that rejoice, celebrating with those who are celebrating, but also in the tough times in life, locking arms with people and and being there for them. And whether you're a person of faith or not, whether you grew up in church or not, all of us understand what it's like to have moments in our life where we are hurting, where there's been tragedy, where there's obstacles in our life, where we honestly, we don't even know the questions to ask. We, we don't know what to do, we don't have answers. We've all been there. We've all been in a place where we're just weren't sure what to do. I mean, what do you do when you don't know what to do? We've all been in that place. What do you do when you can't fix the problem, when you can't make the obstacle go away? I know in my life, there's been, I'm 45 years old, and there's been a few seasons of my life over the last 45 years where, man, I've experienced deep hurt. And some of the deep hurt I've experienced is because of my stupid decisions, But then there's, just like you, there's other things that have happened to me over my life where I've experienced deep hurt and it had nothing to do with any decision I made. And you you can relate with that. And in the midst of one of those seasons of deep hurt where, man, the circumstances weren't going to change, where the the obstacle wasn't going to go away, there was nothing I could do to change it, somebody that I love dearly, that cared for me, just deeply shared with me, Psalms chapter 86. And Psalms chapter 86, we've been working through a few of of, of just some favorite Psalms over the past few weeks. Psalms 86 was written by a guy named David. And it was written by David as a prayer. And David is in the midst, and as he writes Psalms 86, he's in the midst of being pursued by his enemies... He's in the midst of of literally running for his life. He, He can't make the problem go away. He can't accomplish what needs to happen on his own. And so he writes this desperate prayer. And as you read through Psalms 86, there's at least 14 different prayer requests in a pretty short psalm that David, in his desperation, in his urgency, writes And we get to see and we get to read exactly what David wrote several thousand years ago as he was in one of those spots that you've been in, that I've been in, where where the problem wasn't going to go away, where there was nothing that in and of yourself and in and of your own power that you could do to change it. And David found himself in one of those seasons. In Psalms 86, if you have your Bible, you can look at it. It'll be up on the screen, or you can look in our app, and you can follow along. But Psalms 86, here's how David starts it. He says, listen, Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. And what's interesting in this very first two or three verses, David uses three different words when he describes God, when he describes the Lord. He uses the word Yahweh in this first phrase. And this is the, the traditional proper name for God that Jewish people use. But as you read through the first two or three verses, he, he uses other names that really highlight other areas of God that are great and powerful and some of the things that, that make him God. He highlights them. But he starts, he says, listen, Lord, for I am poor and needy. And David, he, he doesn't beat around the bush. He doesn't beat around the bush. He, he goes, man, he just straight up, he's like, I need help. I'm desperate. And he asks God, God, I need you to act on my behalf. I am needy. I am poor. I am desperate. And then he says this in verse 2. He says, protect my life, for I am faithful. See, see from David's perspective, and, and maybe you can relate with this, from David's perspective, man, he had kept all of God's laws. He was living a faithful life. And you've experienced situations like this in your life as well, whether you're online or you're here with us this morning, where, man, yeah, there's some things that come into our life that are tragic and hurtful and painful, and some of those are due to our stupidity. Like we all can raise our hand and be like, oh yeah, over the years I've caused some pain in my own life and, and pain for other people. And, and some of those things are because of just bad decisions that we've made and we feel those consequences. But then there's other times, and this is kind of where David is, that David's saying, man, as far as I know, I'm, I'm being faithful. God, I'm, I'm walking with you. I'm, I'm keeping your covenant. I'm I'm doing what I think you want me to do. And and yet though I'm I'm not doing anything wrong or I haven't, you know, sinned deeply at this point, David says for whatever reason, God, there's just some big obstacles in my life that I didn't do anything to cause. And and you you've experienced that. Man, I've I'm I'm, I'm being faithful. I'm trying to be faithful. But yet this obstacle and this challenge is here. And if you were to read down through towards the end of the psalm, you would see that, man, David is living his life according to God's way. But yet in verse 14, it describes that, man, there's people that aren't living God's way that are coming after him, that want him dead. And, And David, as he's kind of grappling with this and you've probably grappled with it too. It's like, God, I'm I'm poor, I'm needy, this is happening to me. But as far as I know, I'm I'm, I'm obeying and I'm doing what, what you've asked me to do. But yet these challenges, these obstacles, this tragedy is upon me. Protect my life for I am faithful. And then he says this, and he uses another word for God. He says, you are my God. This this word is Elohim and it's the, the word that highlights God as father and creator. He says, you are my God. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my father, you are my creator, you are my all powerful God. Save your servant who relies on, who puts his trust, who leans into you. See, David was not relying on himself. And, and you know this about yourself, and, and I know this about myself as well. The, the way we handle blessings, the way we handle challenges in our life is impacted by who our God is and where we place our trust. I mean, bottom line, and, and, and you know this, and maybe you, you you would see some things in your life. If, if your God is money, then when the challenges come, you trust in money for security. Obstacle comes, man, you're looking at the bank account. That's that's your God. That's where you trust. If your God is yourself, you trust in your ability. Man, when, when challenges come, then things that you can't control come. It's Man, you 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 try harder. It's all about you getting it done. It's about you fixing the problem. And and you wouldn't say it this way and and neither would I, but there's times in our life that we make ourselves god and we trust in ourselves. For some of us, our god is our our kids. And and and, and we we trust in our kids to like we put all of the weight on our kids to make us happy and And man, if if our kids aren't making us happy, like our world's rocked and, and, and we have different gods and different places we put our trust. So how would you fill in this blank? David says this, he says, save your servant who trust in, and for him, it was God. How would you fill it in? When the challenges come, When the obstacles come, some of them are because of decisions that we've made. Some of them are, man, I didn't make a bad decision. It just happened. But in the midst of that, I can't fix this. I can't control this. This hurts. This is painful. We all go somewhere with our trust. We lean into something. For David, he said, save your servant, for I trust in you, God, my creator, my father. What would you put in that blank? David, he he goes on and he says, be gracious to me, Lord. And and this word, Lord, it's Adonai. It's another word for God. It, It means sovereign, the one that's in control. He says, Lord, I need you to be gracious to me. Be gracious to me, Lord, for I call to you all day long. I mean, David is unceasing in his prayer. He's praying and he's praying and he's praying. He's asking God to step in. And he says this He says, Bring joy to your servant's life because I appeal to you. Lord, I I appeal to you. He says, Man, You're who I go to for for inner peace. You're who I go to for happiness. You're who I go to, you're you're the one. And so God, I'm I'm crying out to you. I'm your servant and I'm crying out to you and I'm asking you to step in. You're the one I wanna talk to. You're the one that I go to when things are tough. I need you, be gracious to me. You're in control, sovereign God. And then he goes on, and I love what David does. He, he talks about, kind of in those first couple of verses, he uses different words for God that, that speak of God's bigness and his sovereignty and his creation and just the bigness of God. But then what he does in these next couple of verses is he leans into some of the really practical, relational things that he loves about God. He says this. For you, Lord, you're kind. You're ready to forgive. You're abounding in faithful love to all who call on you. One of the most beautiful things about God that that David, he seemed to understand, was that on one hand, God is big and powerful and in control, but he's also personal. He's loving, he's kind, he's forgiving. And David, he leans into God because of what he knows about God. That God is big and powerful and sovereign and in control, but he's also loving and kind and humble and gentle. And David leans into God because of what he says. He puts his confidence in him. He says this in verse six, Lord, hear my prayer, listen to my cries for mercy. You can almost feel David's just, man, he is, he's desperate. He's just, God, if you didn't hear me the first few times, I'm coming back and just asking you to step in, to be merciful, to listen. He says, I, I call on you in the day of my distress, for you might answer me. Is that what it says? David says, no, 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 I call on you, I lean into you, I trust you, I have confidence in you because you will answer me. And honestly, it might not always be the answer David wanted, but David was confident that his God was listening, that his God cared, that his God was capable of changing the situation, that his God wanted David to come to him and that his God would act. And again, it it might not play out exactly how David wanted it to, and it might not happen as quickly or as in the same order that David, but David knew that this wasn't a God that's just off into the heavens and, and doesn't really listen and that's far away. No, this is a God that's leaning in, that's listening, that wants to hear, that's ready to act on behalf of his kids. And so David leans in, and when David calls on God, he's calling on God in the context of a relationship. In fact, he refers to himself as servant, and he refers to God as a Lord. And in this kind of time frame, in this setting, we don't don't go around calling people Lord, and we don't go around telling people that, you know, you're my servant. But back then, there's servants and lords, and in this setting... And in the ancient world, the Lord was responsible to provide protection. He was responsible to provide help and to take care of the people that were his servants. And so the servants depended on their Lord or kind of the person that was in charge to help and to provide strength when there was trouble. And so David, he saw God that way. He saw God as this loving, faithful protector who would answer his prayer, who was listening, who was confident. David was confident that God was was leaning in, that God would act because of who God was. Just this weekend, uh, my daughter Julia is house-sitting for some friends of ours, have a dog, and So she for the last two days and then tonight she's house sitting for this family and so so last uh, two nights ago her cousin stayed with her and last night Lori went over there, it's real close to her house and stayed with her, and then tonight another friend of hers is staying. So last night when we got home, Kate, my eight year old, looks up at me and she's super excited because she knows mom's gone, so I'm sleeping with dad. Like I'm in the big bed with dad. And, and so, she, man, last night, and she was like, Kate, we're not going to Disney World. You can sleep in, my, I mean, you're just sleeping in my bed. But for her, it's like, oh, I get to sleep. And so last night, if you've been, ever been around my daughter, in fact, if you see her today, she always carries with her her personal zoo, personal, like stuffed animal zoo. And so if you see stuffed animals around this church, you just take them to Kate because she dropped them. And, and so, but she does. She always, so last night in bed, I mean, we have a king-sized bed, but you know, half of it was, hey, let me get, you know, and she has names for all of them. me get so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so and, you know, get them all around. And, oh, dad, yeah, you can have this little section of the bed. And she gets in. And, and here's what's cool. Kate at night, usually she's a little bit nervous at night. So she wants us to sit by her bed while she goes to sleep. Or if she's really scared, she wants to sleep on Julia's floor, you know, kind of next to Julia's bed. And so she's kind of going through a phase where she's been scared uh, at night. But last night, she laid down next to me. I had a book I was reading. We prayed within maybe seconds. She's out cold, like gone. Didn't say a peep. And it's an obvious, like she felt totally safe. Like there was no like, Hey dad, I'm a little scared tonight. Dad, will you leave the light on? fact, she was like, dad, will you turn the lights off? God was trying to read, turn the lights off. Cause I want to go to sleep. And the reason that, and we we didn't have a conversation like, hey, Kate, okay, you know that daddy is sleeping with you tonight, so daddy, if somebody breaks in, daddy will protect you, daddy will do this. We didn't have to have that conversation. Kate just knows, she knows who her dad is. And she understood that, man, she, she just could go to sleep and, and really didn't even have to think about it because she knows who her father is. And she, it just goes without saying that I am safe and protected and my dad will step in. I don't have to worry. And that's what David's doing here. He's saying, you know what? I know who my dad is. I, I, I know, yeah, the circumstances are bad. I didn't cause these circumstances. There's people that are coming after my life, but my dad, my Lord, my Adonai, my Elohim, he will step in. He's listening. He's all-powerful. He's kind. He's gentle. He's in control, and I'm, I'm good, And and David had such confidence, not because the circumstances got better, but because of who God was and where he was putting his trust. He goes on in verse 8 and he says this, Lord, there's no one like you. There's no one like you among the gods. There are no works like yours. There's no idol that can hold a candle to you. There's no place I can place my trust that even compares. No one compares your character, your kindness, your power, nothing. There's no one that even comes close. David goes on in verse 9. He says, all the nations you have made will come and bow down before you. Lord, they will honor your name. David's looking to the future saying, one day every knee will bow because of who you are because of how powerful you are, because you are an incomparable God that I trust in. You are great, you perform wonders, you alone are God. There's no second, there's no kind of other God, you're it. You're all powerful, you're all kind, you're all loving. And David, what he does is, is after he has just opened up his heart to God and he's cried out to God about God's, you know, his desire for God to step in and, and he, he shares how he trusts in God, he has confidence in God, and, and he says why he has confidence in God, he talks about who God is. Then he basically, he talks about how he wants to respond. God, based on who you are, based on the fact that I am putting my whole trust in you because you are unmatched. He says this in verse 11. He says, teach me your way, Lord, and I will live by your truth. He says, man, I want to walk your path, God. I want to understand your ways better. And then he says this phrase. He says, give me an undivided mind to fear your name. He says, God, there's times I'm tempted to have divided trust, to have a divided mind, to have divided loyalties. And he says, no, 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 because of who you are, help me to have an undivided loyalty and trust in you. God, I don't want to trust you 90% and something else 10%. I want an undivided 100% trust in you, but God, I need your help. I want that, but I need your help to have an undivided loyalty to you. In the New Testament, James, which is the brother of Jesus, he says it this way. He says, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. James, Jesus' brother, he says, you know what? When, when somebody has divided loyalties, when they have kind of one foot in, a I kind of trust God, and one foot in, hey, if God doesn't come through, I need a plan B. You know what that person is? That person is unstable in all their ways. And the way James describes them, if you read through chapter one of James, is he describes that type of person as a ship that's at sea, that's just being tossed back and forth by the waves, that has no control. Because of a divided loyalty, because of a double-mindedness that creates instability in every area of life. And, and let's, be on, like, let's, let's be honest. Let's be honest. Whether we're watching online or we're here this morning, we all know what that feels like. Every single one of us knows what it's like to be double minded. Every one of us knows the instability that comes with having a divided loyalty, really, in any relationship. I mean, you try to have an, a, a divided loyalty with your spouse, see how that works out for you, see how stable things stay. I mean, it doesn't go well. Like it brings instability when it's like, hey, I kind of trust you, God. And on Sundays, I'll trust you. But Monday through Friday, you know, ah, it's kind of 50-50. David says, because of who you are, I want to have an undivided loyalty to you. And then he finishes this section. He says, He says, I will praise you with all my heart, not with half my heart, not with a divided heart. I'm going to praise you with all my heart, Lord, my God. And and I want to honor your name forever, for your faithful love for me is great, and you rescue my life from the depths of Sheol. Basically, you save me from death. You are the answer to separation from you for all of eternity. You are the Savior. You rescue me. And because of that, I will praise you. I will honor you. David was facing some trouble that that he did not ask for, and he had no ability to change. He called out to the all-powerful God who he knew was great, but he also was kind. Because of what David knew about God, he was confident that God would listen to him and that God would, would act on his behalf. And no matter what the circumstances were, David was was confident that God would move. And so he asked God, God, because of who you are, help me to have an undivided love and commitment to you. Whether my circumstances ever change, I want to be committed to you, to your way. As you think about your life, whether you're watching online, or whether you're here with us this morning, as you consider your life, when obstacles come, when tragedy hits, when opposition comes, where do you go? Where do you place your trust? You You might say, oh, I put my trust here, but let me ask you, like, if we were to, if someone were to look at your life from the outside, how would they say that you fill in this blank? Save your servant who trusts in... What would other people say? Like, yeah, like that Chris guy. When, when things are going rough, you know what he trusts in? You know what he's leaning in for, for salvation, for help? You know what his God is? What would, what would your spouse say? What would your friends say? What would, what would those that know you the best, whether you're online or you're here this morning, what would they say? Hey, when obstacles come, when challenges come, when, when things happen that are out of their control, this is what they lean into. This is what becomes their clear God. This is where they place their trust. How would you fill in that blank? And and then maybe that second question kind of builds on it. Is it's, it's a question we need to kind of think about is is my heart divided? Like, do I do I play a good game and pretend, but at the end of the day, I mean, I don't really think God's way is best, and so I kind of do the God things part of my life, but then I also always have a plan B, maybe even a plan C, because Trust in God all the way, I don't know. Do you have to, divide? I think it's just, it's great to just be honest. It's good to be honest so that at least you're not pretending. At least you understand why your life's unstable. At least I understand why I have worry or anxiety or why I'm unstable, why everything seems to be up in the air. Like if I, if I really look in, there's, yeah, maybe it's because there's times in my life where I have divided loyalties and God's word's so clear that, hey, when it's, your life is like that, you're going to be unstable. And, and so it's, it's a great, just a personal question that we should ask ourselves. Like, is my loyalty divided right now? See, my, like I said, it, I, I mean, you guys know me well enough to know. Mine is Sometimes. And I understand what James meant when he said, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Been there, done that. Probably he'll do it again. Hopefully not within the day. But, but I get it. I've, I've been, and, and we all have. And so it's a good question to just say, hey, am I fully trusting God? See, what helped David trust God fully was not how good or bad his circumstances were because if you read through David's life, man, his circumstances were up and down and some of them were because of his stupid decisions and some of them were just out of his control. But if David relied on how good his circumstances were, he, I mean, it would have been a rough life because things were up and down for David. But, but David didn't trust God because his circumstances were good or bad or changing He didn't trust God because of his ability, because of David's personal ability to like, hey, I can fix this. No, David trusted God and had confidence in God because he knew who God was. And his confidence in God came from knowing who God was. You're like, okay, Chris, that sounds great. Okay, it sounds great to what what, what life might be like if I was somebody that in the midst of the ups and downs, I I had an undivided loyalty and I just had this peace and this trust that whether life was great or terrible, I, I just followed God. That sounds great. But there's no pill for that. Like, that's not easy. That's not easy. It's not like, hey, if you'll take one of these every day, you won't have any problems. No, this is hard. This is difficult. It's difficult to walk through this life with an undivided loyalty. And and here's the thing, and and, and you know this, because for David, his confidence came because he knew God. And, And like any relationship, confidence and trust is built over time. But here's the thing. It's hard to trust someone you don't know. Think about it in any relationship, but specifically in your relationship with God right now, it's hard to put all your confidence in someone you're not even sure of, or someone you just talk about on Sundays, but you don't really know them. It's hard, almost impossible, to really trust someone you don't know and so i want to ask you a couple questions because this applies like i said to every relationship but specifically to our relationship with god let me ask you a couple questions do you the first one do you have a personal relationship with god personal a personal relationship with god not not do you come to church not do you have a grandpa that came to church faithfully or your mom and dad love the lord like for you personally has there ever come a time in your life where you have admitted to God that you have sinned, that you have disobeyed him, that you've kind of tried to do life your own way? Has there, has there ever been a time that you've admitted that to God and that you then you believe that when Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave, that he did that for you? And then you, whether it was in a prayer, you know, maybe in a church service or on your own where you just quietly cried out to God and said, God, I admit I've sinned. I've disobeyed you. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you rose from the grave for me. And I want a relationship with you. Come into my life. Transform me. Please save me now. Have you ever done that? Have you ever personally started a relationship with God. That's a first step. And, and many of you have, but there's probably many of you, maybe you're watching online or you're listening to this on a podcast and you think back and think, you know what? I've been around church a lot. And maybe I've, I've even read my Bible a little bit. I've, I've just never made this thing personal for me. And if that's you, that, that would be your first step. Because again, it's hard to, to trust someone that you don't know. And so, man, the first step even today is to just, man, in the quietness of this room, man, become a follower of Jesus. Start a relationship with Jesus. And then once we start a relationship with Jesus, and I know many of you have already done that, the the, the second question is, man, are you getting to know God better by spending time in his word? See, like David, as as you and I get to know God better, we will trust him more. It's just just what happens naturally. And this summer, one of of the practical ways that we're going to do that as a gathering is we're going to spend the whole summer with Jesus's brother. You're like, what? We're going to spend the whole summer in the book of James. We're going to spend the whole summer walking through the book of James. And and I want to invite you to lean in. Whether today's your first time at church, whether you've been coming since we started, whether you're a follower of Jesus, whether you're kind of still investigating faith, I want to encourage you to lean in and and, and be a part of this and really lean into James. And there's a few things we're going to do on your way out. And these are free. If you remember last year, we went through Mark during the summer and we provided these for you. If you'll use this, we have one for you. It's just a a journal that walks through the book of James, gives you some spots for notes. On your way out today, they're going to be on those tables that you grab your communion cups. And so before you head over to watch some people get baptized, pick up one of these journals. And we're going to, like I said, walk through this all summer. Then on Sunday morning, we're going to walk through it in here. If your students are a part of our youth ministry, they're going to walk through it on Wednesday nights in our youth ministry. They're going to walk through James. And so first thing, I'd encourage you to pick up one of these. The second thing that I think will help is I'd encourage you to join a group this summer. Because this summer in our groups, our our small groups, we're going to be talking through the book of James. James. We're going to be trying to apply some of the stuff we talk about on Sunday. We're going to try to apply it to our lives. And so, again, whether you're a long-time follower of Jesus, maybe you're new to faith, maybe you're still investigating, whether you're 80 or you're 18, man, we have a group. And I'd encourage you to join a group and be a part of that. You can go to our website, look at Next Steps. You can see all the groups. Join a group. This, and again, maybe it's Trial you're like, all right, I'll try it for the summer. I, I ain't committing forever, but I'll, I'll try it for the summer. I'll, I'll dive into James with everybody. I'll try it for the summer. Uh, and, and so, man, do that. And, and here, if you're in my group, and I'm not going to tell you which one of mine is, but we had a really, I got a really good hamburger last night with my group. And uh, we had a little, little fellowship, a little like night where we hung out at, at one of our group members' houses. And man, worst case scenario, you just come out of it with some really good food that you ate. So hey, even if you don't learn anything about James, you have some good food throughout the, the summer. So join a group. And then the last thing, again, we're leaning in this, this summer. I would encourage you, man, be in church. Be in church. If, if you know, Obviously, we're all going on vacation different times, but man, if you're in town, be in church because we are going to grow this summer. We're going to learn more about God this summer. We're going to trust God more by the end of the summer. And I want to invite you to lean in and be a part of it. And I want to encourage you to get your students involved if they're in part of the student ministry. Because, man, together in this community, man, we we want to grow this summer because we want to trust God more. And, And as we close today, another way that we kind of lean in and trust God more is when we remember what He did for us. And so on your way in, uh, you picked up a a communion, and maybe if you didn't, you can feel free to get up and and go grab a communion cup if you didn't have a chance to get one. Uh, But one of the ways that we kind of trust God is, and you know this, is, man, when there's something tough going on today, it really helps to look back at how God was faithful in the past. And the way that he was, man, the most faithful and the greatest thing he ever did for us in the past is he, man, he died for us. And so we we take communion as just a way to help us remember, because I don't know about you, but man, it is easy for me to take for granted what Jesus did. Oh yeah, Jesus died on the cross. He rose from the grave. I've heard it all my life. But it's it's hard for me sometimes to remember and really not take for granted that Jesus lived a perfect life that I couldn't live that at the age of 33 he was taken he was put on trial he was lied about he was spit at he was beaten he was nailed to a cross and he did all that for me and for you he allowed his body to be broke so that our bodies wouldn't have to be he shed his blood so that we wouldn't have to shed our blood he took the punishment for us and one of the ways that we that just a tangible way that we remember that is we take communion the bread or the little wafer is just a a small reminder to us of the body of jesus that was broken for us and then the juice is, is a small reminder to us of just the blood that he shed on purpose, humbly for us. And what's cool is before Jesus died, he actually modeled this for us. He, he With his guys, the night before he went to the cross, he modeled communion. And he told his guys, hey guys, you're going you're to take this bread. And they didn't even totally understand it. You're going to take this bread and it's going to be a reminder to you. And you're going to drink this juice and you're going to remember me and what I did. And you're going to do that till we do it again together one day. And here at City Walk, the only requirements we have for people taking communion are the ones that the scripture says. And the scripture tells us that in order to take communion, there's two things. The first one is that you would be a person that has is a follower of Jesus. So if you're I it's still debating whether you are a follower of Jesus or haven't made that decision. You would want to do that first. And then the second thing that the scripture says is that before we take communion, that we take a minute and we just examine our own hearts. And so if there's any known sin in our own hearts, that we just take a moment and we confess that to God and kind of get that right with God before we take communion. And so I'm going to give you an opportunity to just hear this Moment to just take a minute and spend some time in prayer and just ask God, God, is there anything in my life that, man, is just not, not good with you? And if so, just confess that, take care of that, and then I'll be back and we'll, we'll take communion together. If you want to take the bread, 1 Corinthians and 1 Corinthians, Paul, he says this. He says, The Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's remember Christ's broken body as we eat the bread. In that same passage, it says this, In the same way, also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's remember the blood of Jesus and and that he shed it for our sin as we drink the juice. Lord, we're so thankful that we can trust you. And Lord, if we're honest, it is sometimes hard to trust you. But when it's hard to trust you, when we're not sure what the answer is, we can't fix the, the obstacle or the hurt, we can look back at the cross. We can look back at the cross and we can our trust can be built because we can look back at someone that loved us so much that He gave Himself for us. And if You were willing to give Yourselves like that for us, Lord, we can trust You with today. And so, Lord, I pray that today we would grow in our trust and confidence in you because of who you are and what you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen.